Hi, welcome again. We are so glad you've joined us from your homes as we are doing this brand new adventure of online church, online services, uh, online everything right now. Uh, it's been really cool because God's kind of like, I don't know, he's oh, like woke me up to reaching out in new ways. We had our first live stream uh, midweek, which we hadn't really had a midweek in a long time. So we did that on Instagram. So if you're on Instagram, you can check it out Wednesday, six o'clock. It's about an hour long service and um, been doing devotionals once a day, Monday through Friday, we're doing devotionals and uh, you can catch that on Instagram. That's the first place it goes. And then Facebook and then uh, also on our YouTube channel, which you are probably on right now. So you can stay engaged with us. We're trying to do a lot more to stay connected. And it's been cool. There's been some good fruits from that. And Boy, you can just see God uses these weird seasons to make you flexible and to uh, make you adapt and to grow. And so uh, I was mentioning on Wednesday night at our midweek that a lot of times I get stuck in like the paralysis of analysis where you're thinking about things too long and so you actually don't do the things you want to do because you're trying to figure out how to make them perfect. And, and at this point, it's just like, let's just do it and, and we'll figure it out later. So um, it's been kind of a cool thing, liberating, I guess, to uh, to minister in this new season. So all that to say, we're glad you joined us. If you would like to check out some of the other things we have going on, we have an e-bulletin right now. It's pretty empty. It's mostly talking about all the things I just said. Uh, there's also options to give online. I know a lot of people brought that up and, and that's cool too. Um, keep everything going. So we have our, um, we have the online way and then there's the mail way, but we're just happy to have it here. We're stoked, uh, to be able to, to be together, even though it's virtually being together. I got pictures from everybody last week, uh, at home which would be really cool if, if you have my number or if you want to tag Calvary Carlsbad in it on Instagram or, or something like that to put your home of you watching this. That is very cool. It's very connecting and you could put hashtag Calvary Carlsbad and um, we could feel even more connected in that way. And so, yeah, we're glad you joined us. Stand up if you would. I mean, there's no one's going to check on you because you're at home. Uh, but we're going to read through Galatians chapter 5 verses one through six, and we'll get started here this evening, or this morning, sorry. Okay, cat's out of the bag, we're, we're filming this at night. <laughs> but it is Sunday morning where you are, we needed this time to make sure that it was all going to be dialed, and here we are. So, Galatians chapter five, verse one, stand fast therefore in the liberty by which Christ has made us free, and do not be entangled again with a yoke of bondage. Indeed, I, Paul, say to you that if you become circumcised, Christ will profit you nothing. And I testify again that every man who becomes circumcised, that he is a debtor to keep the whole law. You have become estranged from Christ, you who attempt to be justified by law. You have fallen from grace. For we, through the Spirit, eagerly wait for the hope of righteousness by faith. For in Christ Jesus, neither circumcision nor uncircumcision avails anything, but faith working through love. Let's pray. 
Lord, we thank you so much for this time, and we pray that you would speak to us, that you would meet all of us where we're at, Lord, that you would touch our hearts and that you'd work in our lives. Lord, everybody needs something a little different right now, God. Some of us need comfort. Some of us need uh, faith and hope and, and trust, and uh, we all need that to a certain extent. Some of us need correction, discipline, uh, we need our eyes to be open, to be awakened. God, we pray that you would just do what you want to do here. That you would pour out your spirit and that you would move. Give us ears to hear. Give us eyes to see what you're doing. What a unique time. Help us to not miss what you're doing. Help us to not be so uh, in the moment and in moved emotionally that we miss the big things you're doing. Help us not to miss the forest for the trees. Lord, and so we pray that you would go before us. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. All right. So uh, we're entering into chapter 5 here of Galatians. And Galatians is actually broken up into three sections. Chapters 1 and 2 would basically be Paul defending his apostleship. And so we can see he does that. That's important, right? Because he needs them to recognize that they should still be listening to him. Of course, they should know this. He helped to found this church, and, and he had seen amazing fruit here in this church. So, But that's what's going on, if you remember chapters 1 and 2. And then chapters 3 and 4, he is defending justification being by faith alone. So it's really the doctrine of justification, and it is a thorough exposition or a thorough ex explaining of justification by faith. We are saved by faith. We are justified in the sight of God through faith. All through what Jesus did, nothing we can offer. Now, chapters 5 and 6 are going to be application, Christian living, what this means for us. And so uh, that's important, right? Doctrine is important, but then application is important. They're equally important. Uh, right now, I'm actually reading a book by Pastor Ray Ortland, and it is titled The Gospel. How to uh, how the church portrays the beauty of Christ, and he he talks about how important the doctrine, understanding doctrine is, and as far as the gospel, knowing what the Bible says, knowing what it means, this is important. So he's saying that is extremely important. Equally as important is the gospel community working like it should be working, and so it's kind of like the gospel in practice. Love out, like it, it being portrayed, the world being able to see it. And he said most churches kind of line up either on one side or the other. They're usually either doctrinally focused and not just churches, really people, right? You might be someone who likes, just loves doctrine. You love truth. You love it black and white. And you just, you just like can feast on that. But you struggle in love to a certain extent. And, and then there's the other side who... They get love, but it's hard for them to settle themselves on truth. They find that love is super easy to, to understand, and they get community, and they get going out, reaching out, and, and practical ways of living. But you're kind of like, you're, you're about a mile wide, you could be an inch deep, because you're missing out on the important truths of the doctrine. And, and there's the famous saying that uh, that love, with, uh, love without truth is hypocrisy and truth without love is brutality. 
And so this is kind of like, here's the doctrine, here's how it works itself out in a real life. We want to be a church that, that does both. And we want the church in general to do both. We need both, right? Uh, it's just speaking truth and just knowing things. You will turn people away because you're, you're brutal and you're, there's no love there. So it doesn't come across the way you think it does. And, and the same thing, there's, there's a, a huge thing happening. You, can, you could be all into social justice and you can have this big bleeding heart. And it can be an amazing thing. But you don't, you're not, you don't care about the truth and you don't speak the truth. And so that is affecting the gospel as a whole negatively. And it is hindering the work that God wants to do in your life either way. So we're going to be looking at the practical side, keeping in mind the doctrinal side. Paul cannot get away from doctrine and he can't get away from it being practical. It is, they're both extremely evident in his life. So here we go. Verse one. Stand fast, therefore, in the liberty by which Christ has made us free. And do not be entangled again with a yoke of bondage. I've actually titled this message, True Liberty. And we, when we hear liberty, we get it. We are, especially those who are from the United States, I don't know if anyone's watching this in not the United States, but we love liberty. We love the pursuit of you know, of liberty, to have liberty, to have the pursuit of, of justice and liberty. And wow, it sounds like I don't know what I'm talking about, but I do anyway. Uh, but we love liberty. We love freedoms. Freedoms are important. They're a beautiful thing. Sometimes, though, our ideas and our, our beliefs in liberty are actually not liberty at all. A lot of times we think we're free. And man, 1 Corinthians really touched on this hardcore. It's like you think you're free and you think you're, you know, you're, you're doing well, but your liberties are holding you back. And anytime that your liberty is harming someone else, that's not liberty. Paul, he was a perfect example of this. He says, I will put all of my liberties on the shelf so that I can be a servant and win people to Christ. So it's important to, to understand what true liberty is. So he says, stand fast, therefore... In the liberty by which Christ has made us free. The liberty he's talking about is liberty from the yoke of bondage or liberty by the yoke of the law, right? And so he did, he's like, do not allow yourself to get, he uses some really good wording here, to be entangled again with the yoke of bondage. Don't let this stuff come in and tangle you up and hold you down, right? And so this is. Paul's speaking like, don't please stand fast. The reason he says that is because it is easy to get sucked into this stuff. It is easy to get ensnared and entangled. Really, the law, it, it appeals to us in our superiority. It appeals to us in our wanting to be, have something in the fight. To feel like we are the winners or we are more important than others. And so the law kind of lays that out and gives us that opportunity. Look, at here's a tangible way that I'm able to keep this better than you. But grace, you know, and, and faith says we do nothing. It is all Jesus. He does it all. And so there's going to be the thing in you, especially if you struggle with that wanting to be elite, which is pride. Pride being the root of all sin. 
Humility being the posture that God wants for us to have. I um, mentioned it throughout the week. I also read Humility by Andrew Murray. And that is an incredible book. He, and he says this is one of the most like important positions that we have, or postures we must have before the Lord. Humility. Humility says, I don't do it, God does it. He does it. It is all Him. So, be careful, because there will be something in you that, that will want to get snared up and entangled into this yoke of bondage. It happens often, happens to all of us, and it's legalism. It's so easy to get sucked into that. And he's saying, stand fast, pay attention, don't fall in this way. Verse 2, indeed I, Paul, say to you that if you become circumcised, Christ will profit you nothing. That's a heavy statement, right? And, and we're like, well, what happens if I'm circumcised? Of course, this has this is not about the actual act of circumcision. The act of circumcision was, of course, part of the law. And it was God cutting off of the flesh. It was the idea of, of removing the flesh and us being set aside before the Lord, right? It was not a bad thing. But the circumcision represented the law. And so Paul's saying, if you think that you have to be circumcised to be saved, you don't get it. If you're looking at it like that, you don't get it. You're missing the whole point. And so if you, if you think that you need to become circumcised, Christ will profit you nothing. Because you're saying that what he did on the cross was not really enough. That's really what it comes down to. And, and I think even this, this you know, situation we're in right now, coronavirus, you know, there is a lot of this is revealing to us the way we think about God and who we think God is. It's revealing how much faith we have, how or how little faith we have. It's revealing if we think he's good or if we think he's not good or... It's revealing all kinds of things. And, and you, man, we're hearing all kinds of things out of people's mouths. But it's important for us to have a right understanding of who God is. And to not understand that the gospel is enough is means you don't understand who God is. It means that you think he left something on the table. And when he said it was, when Jesus said it is finished, he didn't really mean it. We still had to add something to the equation. And I was reading through commentaries and I saw this, man, it was really well placed. John MacArthur had it laid out. Four things that are here that we miss out on. There's four harsh realities of legalistic living. Four harsh realities of being drawn back in and entangled by the law. The first one is found right here. That Christ will profit us nothing. That is heavy. If Christ profits us nothing, everything's a mess. Like everything is wrong. If He pro profits us nothing, we are still in our sins. We are doing this on our own, and He's not enough. That is a heavy consequence or a heavy reality to saying that, that there's anything gained by the law or through legalism. Verse 3 And I testify again to every man. Who becomes circumcised that he is a debtor to keep the whole law. Second harsh reality that we find in legalistic living is we make ourselves a debtor to keep 
the whole law. That's, that is a major problem, right? Because we make ourselves a debtor to keep the whole law. That is not good. So if you want to start trying to find uh, a little bit, get gold stars in heaven for fulfilling a law here or there, or maybe more than the next person next to you, be careful because you've now entered into a whole new grading system, right? We need the grace of God in our lives every day, right? And so we do not want to enter into this new, you know, going back to the old covenant where we literally had to be perfect. And I heard, saw this really good example saying, say you get pulled over for speeding. I think Dave Guzik brought it up in his commentary. Say you get pulled over for speeding and, and you're going really fast, right? And the cop comes up to you and he says, police officer, roll down your window, you know, license for registration. Uh, do you know you were going really fast and, and you appeal to him and you say, Yes, but I've always been a good husband. Yes, but I've uh, never cheated on my taxes. Yes, but I always tithe on Sunday. No, see, these aren't things that, that matter because you are guilty of speeding. And you're guilty. You've broken the law. There's nothing else you can say or do about it. We know James chapter 2, verses 10 and 11 says this. For whoever shall keep the whole law and yet stumble in one point, he is guilty of all. For he who said, do not commit adultery, also said, do not murder. Now, if you do not commit adultery, but you do murder, you have become a transgressor of the law. So, one harsh reality of legalistic living. First one, Christ will profit us nothing. That alone is so bad, right? Because we're missing out on God's plan for redemption, God's love story, where He shows us what love really looks like, where we can see Him for who He is, like more clearly than ever, sending His Son to die on the cross for us so that we can be made whole and new. And then now we've entered into we ourselves are debtors to keep the whole law again. Paul again is trying to say, You do not want this. Uh, we can't just pick and choose which laws we want to keep. If we're appealing for righteousness through personal holiness, we are subject to thorough investigation. That means we can be put before the magnifying glass or the microscope, and it is not going to be pretty. Think about today, if you weren't giving yourself the grading on the curve uh, treatment, because that is all that was going on for those who were trying to fulfill the law. They were constantly grading on the curve and giving themselves little stipulations and why it was okay for this or that or whatever, workarounds, because it's impossible. You can't do it on your own. But we are called, if we say we are justified by the law, we are called to get it 100% right. There's no grading on the curve. And that is not where we want. To be. Verse 4. You have become estranged from Christ. You who attempt to be justified by law, you have fallen from grace. Here's the third one. It's getting it's getting gnarly and it keeps getting gnarlier. We have fallen from grace. What the harsh reality is, we fall from grace. What does that mean? Well, that means a couple different things, but the idea of falling 
it's the idea of falling out of grace, right? We've fallen out of the grip or really the comfort of grace. Where God says, I understand, I know, and my son has died for you. And, and as you repent, you gain or you get more grace. And he continues to work on us. And, and it is a joy and it is a pleasure. And, and we continue to make mistakes, but he continues to work in us as we have this repentant heart. And we want to continue to become more like him. But we do not want to find ourselves separated from his grace. Because to be separated from His grace is to be subject to His judgment. It's the grace of God that is holding us, that is keeping us. We need His grace. And, and maybe you don't even know about His grace. I don't know who's watching this. But the grace of God is, is the peace of the world. It, he is what brings, gives us opportunity to have relationship with Him and to grow. And as we grow further in grace, we grow in holiness. If we're just trying to be holy, we won't be holy because that's going to be of the flesh. But as we grow in grace and we learn to trust Him more and, and we learn to, to, for, to ask for forgiveness quicker and to repent quicker and to... to Surrender more and more of our life to Him, there's going to be more and more uh, holiness and righteousness that comes out of us because it's through His grace we become more like Him. He's changing us. He's showing us that He loves us and that He wants us. And as we see that He's good, as we see that He's loving, we find ourselves surrendering to Him. If there's anything that's drawing you closer to surrendering to Him, if you feel God tugging on your heart to surrender to Him, this is not just for non-Christians or those who you know are like kind of just questioning it. For all of us, if God is tugging you and drawing you closer to Him, surrender immediately. Fall down on your face and, and let His grace and His love wash you and cleanse you and make you new. God wants to do that in us. And as He does that in us, we will become more holy. We will become more like Him. So, uh, those who become estranged, we, we, you will become estranged from Christ. You attempt to be justified by the law. You have fallen from grace. We do not want to be those who have fallen from grace or fallen out of grace. Verse 5. For we... Through the Spirit, eagerly wait for the hope of righteousness by faith. So here's the last one, right? The, the, this heavy price to be paid. This heavy uh, realities that we have to deal with of legalistic living is we miss out on the true righteousness that is found by faith. The law has the appearance of righteousness, but it is the opposite of righteousness. Remember, our Righteousness before the Lord is like filthy rags. Our best is nothing to Him. Like, because we don't have the ability to be holy. We don't have the ability to be righteous. So if we disconnect ourselves from Jesus, we disconnect our ability to find and, and live out true righteousness that we find in faith. We through, uh, yeah, we through the Spirit eagerly wait for the hope of righteousness by faith. That is what we have through the Spirit. That God is working in us and He's doing something in us, not just to get to heaven, but that we can become righteous now. 
So that when the world looks at you, when your neighbor looks at you, when your family members look at you, they can see that there's something changing in you. And that when they look at you, they actually like get a glimpse of God. <laughs> they get a glimpse of Jesus. That is done through the Spirit by faith. We're going to get into fruits of the Spirit soon, and we're going to get into walking in the Spirit, and there's, this is, it's going to be beautiful. But as the Spirit is working in us, the, the Holy Spirit of promise, right? When Jesus says, I'm leaving, but I'm sent, you know, I'm peace for you, I'm peace for you. I'm sending the Helper. He's going to come. And He's going to change you. He's going to convict the world of sin, and He's going to uh, empower us to do ministry. And He's going to work on us, and as we continue... To trust in Him, we allow Him to continue to work in us, and then we start looking more and more and more like Jesus. But it's found in faith. Discipline, yes. Definitely. It's not like you don't do anything. You say, okay, I'm just going to by faith become more like Him. No, it, our actions follow what we believe. And the greatest part about all of this is, what really draws us to holiness, what really draws us to want to be more like Him is, is not so that we can look good in front of others, but it's because we want our lives to, to give back to what He's done for us. We lose our desire to please ourselves and our desire grows more and more to please Him. I, I really think the season we're in right now is a season of detox. We are detoxing. Literally, the world is detoxing. <laughs> like the world, the, the earth is in better shape. Um, you know, probably a lot of you are, unless you're eating nonstop, I guess that's a thing that people are eating nonstop. But, you know, we're getting the push-up challenges coming through constantly. Uh, I nominated the whole softball team. Uh, I will say that not one person did it. Um, thank you guys very much. But... Um, I'm just kidding. It's all right. But th there's, there is a season right now where we can detox, detox from uh, selfishness. We can detox from our everyday life, our self-centered life, and we can look at him and say, all right, God, what do you want to do right now? What are you doing right now? What are you doing in me? How do you want to work in me? How have I seen you wrong? How am I... Have I missed who you really are? Where have I taken on the role of putting myself in the throne instead of you? God is speaking to us and he is working on us. And he wants to produce righteousness in us through faith. And maybe you don't desire that. Can I say you do? You don't know what it is. <laughs> And as we grow in righteousness, we grow in right standing before God and purity and holiness before the world. That's a beautiful thing. I was reading actually a commentary by Henry Ironside, uh, a beautiful story. It was about a man that he knew and had lived a, a life of gross sin. After his conversion, uh, one of his old friends said to him, Bill, I pity you, a man that has been such a high flyer as you, and now you have settled down. You go to church or stay at home and read the Bible and pray. You never have good times anymore. But Bob, said the man, you don't understand. I get drunk every time I want to. 
I go to the theater every time I want to. I go to dance whenever, when I want. Uh, I play cards and gamble whenever I want. I say, I say, Bill, said his friend, I didn't understand it that way. I thought you would give, that you had to give up these things to be a Christian. No, Bob, said Bill. The Lord took the want to out when he saved my soul. And he made me a new creature in Christ Jesus. This is what God wants to do in our lives. Is to take the, and change our desires and change our heart and change our what we think we're all about. Like, don't think that you are stuck because you are not stuck. Don't maybe you've tried and tried and tried and and a lot of it's been personal effort. You try to do it all on your own and you failed and you're tired and you feel like, you know what, God's done with me. I, I, I've made too many mistakes. I, you know, whatever. No, he wants to work in you. We come before him by faith saying, God, here I am. I have, just so you know, I have nothing to bring to the table. I have no amazing gifts. I have no amazing, you know, uh, background, heritage. I, uh, I'm not a great speaker. I, whatever. I have nothing really to offer to the table but myself. And he says, that is all I want. <laughs> if we can offer ourselves before the Lord and say, Lord, here am I. Send me. Here I am. Take me. Use me. This is what God does. He takes men and women that don't think super highly of themselves and they recognize through the gospel that they are fallen. We are fallen. We are messed up. We need a savior. And as soon as you realize that and you come before the Lord and say, Lord, I'm done messing up my life. I need you. Come, change me. Make me new. Then he, he comes and he indwells us by his Holy Spirit. He empowers us and he makes us new creatures and creations for him. And he'll take those desires and a lot of times it's not immediately, but as we continue to grow in him and as we continue to want to serve him and and we find ourselves we want to read our bible because we want to hear from him, we want to pray because we know he hears us and he answers and we meet him in that place, we want to have communion with him because it's the only thing keeping us going. Then we find the transformation is taking root in our lives. And that transformation can change the world. Because you're no longer limiting God. I'm no longer limiting God by telling him what he can do, what he can't do. Or by micromanage. He does not want to be micromanaged by us. He won't be. He will just let us be on the throne. Until we humbly submit ourselves to him and say, Lord, it's not my righteousness, it's yours. And so if you say it comes by faith, and all I have to do is come before you and lay down on my face and say, I'm done, and you'll take over from there, that's what I want to do. This is where God meets us. This is where God changes people, cultures, the world. And it starts with us. Revival always starts with you. You coming before the Lord, bowing before him, saying, Lord, here I am. I'm a mess, and I need you. I need a touch from your spirit. I need to be made new. Because I can't do it on my own. I'm not good. I don't have the resources. I'm, I'm tapped out. If you're tapped out right now, that's a good place to be. 
I mean, like, that is a beautiful place to be. If we feel tapped out, if we feel like we're done with ourselves, look out. Here comes revival. Look out. Here comes a move of His Spirit. Humbled people before the Lord, seeking Him, praying to Him, finding their delight in Him. Watch out. Verse 6. For in Christ Jesus, neither circumcision nor uncircumcision avails anything but faith working through love. Here it is. You want to know what it looks like to be a Christian? You want to know how to how do we produce these gifts if it's not about doing all these things? No, it is faith working through love. It's trusting Him and then as we trust Him, out of that love, we allow Him to work through us. He gives us the will and the desire even to do it. And so if you find yourself not wanting to do it or not wanting to be part of it, that is a good sign that there's, there is something strangling and holding you back. That your doctrine's not right, so your practice isn't right. And guess what? We're all there. But it's a time for all of us, me, you, everyone, to open our eyes and say, God, what is holding me back right now? Why don't I find my delight in you? And where do I find it? Where is this lesser God so I can cut its head off? And that not literally, but to, to get rid of it, to, to destroy it so that we can live. What is that thing that is strangling me and holding me back so that I can cut it off, get rid of it, keep on moving? What is the roots or the weeds that have grown over my feet and made it so that I can no longer move? Let's cut it off at the root and move forward. I love this. It's by faith working through love. Next week we're going to get into a little bit more even of what that looks like, right? That the, the law is really summed up in loving your neighbor, right? It's loving God, loving your neighbor, loving one another, right? It's, it's found there. This is where we find the law tied up. You should love your neighbor as yourself. If you love your neighbor as yourself, then it all works out. Love is the key. If we love God and we love what he's doing, and we, we, we trust him, we believe him, then good fruit starts coming out of your life. So I think this is a time to grow even more in the love, to know the love of God, to let him take over. And out of that love for him, and, and by the way, he shows us how to love first. Jesus was that perfect example. First John 1, verses 4, First uh, John uh, 4, Sorry, 1 John 4, verses 17 through 19. Love has been perfected among us in this, that we may have boldness in the day of judgment, because as he is, so are we in the world. There is no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear, because fear involves torment, but he who fears has not been made perfect in love. We love him because he first loved us. What good words, right, for where we're living at right now. There's no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear, right? Love and fear involves tor torment, but he who fears has not been made perfect in love. And remember, we love because he first loved us. So we find ourselves in that position to understand that he loves us. 
and that he cares about us and he knows us and he knows where we're at. And so that casts out the fear, but then it also invokes like this radical transformation where love is active. Love has to be active, right? If you say you love someone and you never show it, then it, it probably isn't quite like you say it is, right? And, you know, we all could grow in these ways, but if you love someone, they'll know it. It should show. It should be obvious, right? Because if you love someone, you are compelled to show that love, to, to let that love come out of you in tangible, community-building ways. This is where we see it all come down. Remember, we are nothing apart from Him. We can't find anything apart from Him. But as we draw near to Him, we are covered in His grace. We are covered in His love. And, it, and, it, and by His Spirit indwelling in us, it manifests that love to the whole world. And the whole world gets that glimpse to see who He is as we are more and more like Him. I just want to encourage you uh, today to to uh, to draw near to God. And there's that promise. Draw near to God and He'll draw near to you. Right? It's not about doing things for God or I'm going to watch this many videos or I'm going to read my Bible because that'll make Him happy and it'll make it'll make the coronavirus go away or whatever or something like that. You know, it is not about that. That doesn't change anything. It just shows we don't know who God is. He's just saying, draw near to me. Come near to me. And I promise, as you draw near to me, I will come to you. But he wants us to take that step to say, I want you, Lord. And he says, I'm here. So you take one step, he takes a step. Take two, he takes two. Maybe it's more like you take one, he takes two. You take two, he takes four. Because he's always doing the lion's share of the work. But as we draw near to him, he's drawing near to us. And he's working in us. And that is beautiful, right? That is a beautiful thing. And that's what the world needs to see right now. Fear surrounds, but perfect love casts out fear, right? Perfect love casts out fear. We need to know who he is. We need to trust him. We need to believe him. This is what true liberty looks like. You're not ensnared by the law. We're not ensnared or, or held back by sin anymore. We recognize we're free from that. We're not ensnared or held back by fear. We live in the liberty that is is love, faith, hope, peace, gentleness, uh, self-control. Like These are all fruits that are coming out of our lives, and they're all based on Him being active and us having that active close relationship with him. So just want to encourage you to, to take that to heart and to draw near to God. Say, Lord, I am humbled before you. I have nothing to offer, but, but do something in me, Lord. Use me. I want to be used by you to affect your kingdom. So let's pray and uh, we'll be done. Lord, we thank you so much for your, your grace and your mercy. We pray God that you would, uh, or that you just meet us all where we're at. As we prayed earlier, that you would just, uh, God, help us, Lord, convict us. Show us what we're supposed to do, Lord. Help us to be humble before you, to see you as you truly are. It's just this wonderful, loving God who displayed that love for us by sending your son 
to die on the cross for us, that we would uh, respond to that with just believing it and allowing you to take over, Lord. We are not, if we're all being honest, we are not good at piloting our own life. We are not good at having the steering wheel in our hands. Lord, so help us to just submit ourselves to you, to trust you, to draw near to you, to allow you to work in our lives and in our hearts. God, we pray that as you love us, that that love would would change us, Lord, and that you would make us righteous, Lord, and that we would be able to be what we're supposed to be to the world, and that's witnesses. We would be those who would um, be able to offer hope. Those would be effective at pointing people not towards uh, religion or, you know, the Christian religion, but towards you, towards the God who created them. (laughs) That we would draw people to you, that we'd send them right to Jesus, right to the feet of the cross, foot of the cross, to be saved, to be made new. God, we thank you. We praise you. We know you're doing a work, Lord, right now. Uh, thank you for what we've heard, even of the some of the things you've been doing. God, we pray you would continue that and you'd start it in us. That we would surrender, that we would be just these useful instruments and tools in your hands. We praise you in Jesus' name. Amen.